Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Mr. Louvre. Yes. Welcome to Philadelphia. Thank you. Let me tell you how you arrived, okay? Okay. Uh... A couple of weeks ago, my wife handed to me a CD, and she said, here, listen to this. And I was intrigued, had no idea what would be on it. I had a lengthy drive recently. I popped in the CD, and I heard an introduction being offered to you at the City Club of Cleveland. Uh, I spoke at the City Club of Cleveland two or three or four years ago, and I thought that my wife had that in mind. Maybe it was the similarity of the club. No, indeed, my wife is on the board of a a local nature facility called Riverbend. It's terrific. And she was taken with your speech that had been distributed to others who are on the board. And immediately when you began your remarks by describing your childhood of building forts, I was completely into it and went out, bought the book, Last Child in the Woods. Now I know a great deal about Richard Louvre. And I'm just thrilled to be able to introduce you to my radio audience. Oh, that's terrific. Thank you. Um, There were uh, woods near my home, and I'm now 45 with a 6-year-old son, a 9-year-old son, and an 11-year-old son. They were all in the back of the car. I drove by the woods with them recently, and I said, Daddy knows those woods, even today, like the back of his hand. 
and you had a similar experience and and from that grew a lot of lessons. Let's get into it, all right? Sure. What you what you uh, the premise of the book is is that our kids are being raised disconnected from those natural environments the way in which you and I were raised and as a result society is is paying a quite a quite a consequence. Well, first most importantly, uh, kids are paying the consequence. Um, I'm not saying that it's uh, that a child growing up without much contact with nature will necessarily have great problems, but the great benefits of nature are being missed, and we now know because of a body of research <clears throat> that has um, emerged just within the last dozen years or so just how great nature is for kids. Uh, it increases their attention span. It is a calming factor. It uh, it helps with cognitive fun- functioning, with learning. Uh, there's a whole list of um, uh, great benefits that nature uh, brings to kids, that, that experience of direct uh, involvement in nature. And one of your observations, uh, Mr. Louvre, is that the obesity epidemic has coincided with the greatest increase in organized sports for children in history. That's right. It's the same 20 years. Um, obviously, there are a lot of other things going on there. A lot of hamburgers were eaten during that same period. But, <laughs> but still, obviously, soccer isn't doing the trick. Uh, uh, we need uh, uh, more for our kids uh, to avoid that kind of obesity. And I think that nature has been left out of the debate about uh, uh, child obesity. And you also say that uh, that many of the adults uh, are fitness crazed, and yet raising kids who are weaklings. Well, we seem to have a lot of time to go to the gym ourselves, but apparently not to take our kids outside. Uh, it, um, we just need to focus on uh, the fact that this change has occurred and that our kids can get great benefits from being in nature. Just one example, the University of Illinois, an ongoing set of studies, show that kids with the symptoms of attention deficit disorder, those symptoms get much better with just a little bit of contact with nature. Um, uh, all kids' uh, attention span seems to uh, uh, grow longer when they have more uh, access to nature. And the neat thing about this is that even for parents who did not have much experience in nature when they were kids, and yet when they find out how good it is for their kids and want to get that, when they take their kids into nature, when they give them that, that experience, the parents uh, get many of the same benefits as the kids did almost immediately. So this is not a bitter pill. When we talk about it, it, you know, giving our kids access to nature, what does that actually mean? Because in, in my upbringing, it was playing in the woods and always having a fort, and, and obviously in yours it was similar. I guess you grew up in Kansas. Uh, but in modern terms, meaning in 2007, what are we talking? Well, I think there's a, a factor here that we didn't have when we were kids, which is fear of strangers. Uh, the, the, that seemed to be the most intense thing that uh, uh, parents feel about this, uh, their ability of kids to get outside and play, uh, is that parents are scared to death. Uh, now, the, the, the interesting thing is that the numbers don't add up, that actually uh, stranger danger is nowhere near what uh, uh, people in the news media, including, uh, and that includes us in our, in our media, medium, have, um, uh, have uh, suggested to parents that um, 
uh, all you have to do is watch CNN or, or Fox, and you'll see how they take a handful of terrible crimes against children, and they repeat them over and over and over. That's the very definition of conditioning. In truth, the number of abductions uh, child abductions has actually either been flat or or on the decrease, depending on which study you look at over the last 20 years, that the vast number of abductions are by family members or somebody the family knows, uh, not strangers. Um, so we need to face that fear. Having said that, the fear is not going to go away anytime soon. So what that means is that two things will need to change. One is that you and I will need to take our kids out into nature ourselves, and grandparents, and aunts, and uncles, and and uh, any and good positive adults are going to have to take uh, children into nature themselves uh, to have that experience. It's not going to happen accidentally. The second thing that needs to happen is that the institutions and the organizations that help parents and kids do that are going to need society's moral and, and financial support. Richard Louv calls the uh, the subject matter the boogeyman syndrome, and it it really uh, resonated with me because I was thinking, you know, we we have grown up or raised our kids in a John Benet Ramsey environment, and and consequently, you know, it, it's probably time to take the reins off them in some respects. Somewhere, Mister Louv, in your book, was discussion with someone that said it was their practice, as it is my practice, that when the kids leave the house, and it's not just me, it's, it's my wife, the two of us together, the kids leave the house, what do you say? You say, be careful! And somewhere in your book, uh, there's an individual who said that they don't say that anymore. What they say is, pay attention. Well, it's a great line, and pay attention. It's much more useful than just be careful. Uh, and one of the neat things about nature is that when kids are in nature, they're using all of their senses at the same time. Other than maybe a New York subway, I can't think of another time that that uh, occurs. Uh, that's one of the great gifts that uh, nature's nature experience gives both parents and, and kids. Yeah, and all use of our senses and street smarts arises from using all your senses. Right. I have a section in the in Last Child in the Woods that I, I talk about this. It's a hypothesis. It's not supported by any research, and I make that clear, that I think, and I know a lot of other parents who think, that uh, giving kids access to nature, having them have that experience, actually in the long run makes them safer. When you think about what it's like to sit in front of a television screen or a computer screen for hours at a time, you're not using all your senses. You're not exercising your full perception of, of what's going on around you. Uh, and that's what you get when you're in nature. You get that full sense of what's going on around you. Uh, I think that that serves us well when we go out into a tough neighborhood, for instance, to know what's going on around us. Richard Louv is my guest. The book is Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder. We're back with our special guest right after this. This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. 
you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM, Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Richard Louvre has written a book that I'm passionate about. It's titled Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder. Mr. Louvre, there's a a portion in the book where you talk about a friend of yours shopping. This really uh, struck a chord with me. Shopping for a new luxury car to celebrate her half century of survival in the material world. She settled on a Mercedes SUV with a GPS system, but there was an aspect that that individual did not need in terms of uh, an upgrade on the car. What was it and why? It was the flip-down television screen uh, (laughs) for the kids sitting in the back seat. And as I recall, she had a hard time getting out of the car dealership because the the salesman just couldn't understand why she wouldn't want one. Uh, Today, it's hard to find a minivan that doesn't have that built in, whether or not you need it. And the irony is, I mean, I saw an ad recently. It it shows uh, kids in the back seat of a a minivan um, surrounded on the outside of the, the van by beautiful mountains and on the screen of the uh, the flip down television screen uh, uh 
television is a picture of those mountains, and the kids are sitting there looking at the television screen instead of looking outside. Uh, you know, what are we teaching our kids? I mean, one person I talked to thought, you know, why should kids look outside the window when they're in the back seat of the car? It's boring out there. Right? How else are we going to learn about how cities are, are are constructed? How else are kids going to learn about the the world outside uh, their house? Uh, we need to really um, uh, realize that we are pulling kids into an electronic bubble, and that that is not serving them well. I am a, a complete violator of what you've just described, and I want to change my ways. Last weekend, driving through the most scenic Bucks County farmland area that you could imagine, and I am saying to the kids, look outside, look at those cows, and they're watching Pink Panther, and it's the backseat of my MDX. <laughs> you know, So I talk a good game, and you've got me like worked up over this, but I need to change my ways. Hey, another aspect, uh, Richard Leuven, we're thrilled to have you in Philly. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I was a fort builder growing up. You were a fort builder growing up. In this book, you chat with an architect, a friend of yours, Albert Lau, I think is his name. Right. And he talks about some of the learning experiences from having a tree fort. And I've got the list in front of me. I don't want to catch a cold on this. But he said, you know, you learn about the sizes of lumber, 4 by 8s and 2 by 4s You learn about diagonal bracing. You learn about hinges. You learn about the difference between a screw and a nail. You learn about ladders. You learn about pulleys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely true. I learned how to use a handsaw, you know, building some rudimentary fort in the Mercer Woods of Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, Albert Delau is a is a fine architect, and I asked him, you know, for a list of what would a child learn by uh, building a treehouse, and that's what he came up with. It's a fascinating list. Um, meanwhile, in the, uh, there's a, another um, uh, person I quote in the book, a, a well-known writer about medical issues and, and, a, and a doctor, a surgeon, who says that um, uh, uh, schools of medicine are having a hard time finding people who really know how to use their hands to, to go into surgery, who have never siphoned a hose. Uh, I, I, you know, the extent of this lack of experience in nature sometimes sounds, uh, ha- you know, hard to grasp, that, that kids would grow up never having left the sidewalk. Uh, just two weeks ago, I was speaking with the director of a of a school camp outside of San Diego, where I live, uh, where sixth graders go every every year. It's one of the fine programs that still exists in a school in a school district, giving these kids an immersion pro uh, an immersion experience in nature. He said he had a child the other day that uh, literally had never been off the sidewalk, had never been off of a hard surface in terms of walking and it was almost he said like watching someone who's been a, you know, on a boat at sea for uh months get off that boat and on to land the kid didn't know what to do now that's an extreme case but i can tell you in san diego where i live and i bet this is true in philadelphia too um, a survey was done of uh, kids in the inner city 90 uh, percent of them uh, had never learned how to swim. Ninety-five percent of them had never been in a boat, and thirty-four percent of them had never seen the ocean, and they were twenty minutes away from it. Uh, this kind of uh, thing is is particularly acute in in inner cities, but it's also true in the suburbs. In the suburbs, we've virtually outlawed natural play. Right. Just try to put up a basketball hoop in some of these new suburbs, let alone let the kids build a fort. It's not going to happen. Right. You. I mean, you talk extensively in Last Child in the Woods about the criminalization 
of play, of natural play. Right. And, and you know, the condo association and the townhouse society and so forth, they, they just don't allow the sort of experiences, those natural experiences that, that we all grew up enjoying. Uh, there's another aspect of, of The Last Child in the Woods. I, I refer to it as the, the TR aspect that you bring to mind, and that is where will the environmental activists of tomorrow come from if they're devoid of these experiences today? Right, and TR you're referring to, I, I think, is Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. What if Teddy Roosevelt had had a child without had had a childhood without nature. I mean, Teddy was really into nature and dragged home giant snapping turtles and all kinds of other things. What if he had not had that experience? Not long ago, I was in a hotel room in San Francisco. I picked up a magazine and looked at the back page. There was this wonderful photograph, a black-and-white photograph, of a, of a child, a little boy, on a beach. And he was full of life. His eyes were alive. And the story about him told how this little boy had had a problem. He'd been kicked out of school because he was too disruptive. He couldn't sit still. His parents didn't know what to do, but they had been very observant. They'd seen the calming effect of nature on their boy and how it allowed him to focus. And so for the next decade, they took him to every wild area of the West that they could that, that they could uh, reach. And the little boy turned out okay. That, was, that photograph was taken in 1906, and the little boy's name was Ansel Adams, the great uh, 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 photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if little Ansel had been placed on Ritalin and put in a cubicle uh, that we call a classroom? Uh, we're not... Uh, I, no one is saying that nature is a panacea, for instance, for attention deficit disorder. Some kids do need medication, but not all of them. Could it be that at least some of the huge increase in the number of kids we see placed on Ritalin and placed on uh, uh, antidepressants might have something to do with the fact that we took nature away from them in the first place? And the, to get to your question, the studies show that almost to a person, the co- conservationists, environmentalists, whatever we want to call them, had some transcendent experience in nature when they were kids. What happens if we close that window? Who will be the future stewards of the earth? The one question, and, and, and uh, we can close with this because I'm anxious to, to ask Richard Louv his thoughts. The one question that was uh, at the front of my mind as I was reading Last Child in the Woods, it's, I mean, you don't need to be convinced that society has a lot of problems. And you make a great case about how disconnected children have become from nature. I kept wondering all throughout the book about the causal connection between the two. In other words, just because A and B exist, is B necessarily the result of A? And you have a lot of data in here, and you cite a lot of empirical studies that suggest that, indeed, the disconnection is causing these problems. Well, I think... It's quite obvious that not enough research has been done, but, you know, enough research is never enough. Um, uh, We need more research, but I think we have enough information already. Uh, I'm right now co-authoring an article with the head of environmental uh, health for the Centers for Disease Control, a physician. And he makes the case uh, uh, that we have enough evidence. We need more, but we have enough evidence to act. and I think what's happening across the country in the last two years since the book came out, there really is a kind of movement emerging. Um, USA Today had a front-page story on the children and nature movement. Uh, even The Economist magazine, of all things, had a great article on the emerging children and nature movement. Um, I, I'm the chairman now of something called the Children and Nature Network, uh, which is keeping track of this. And we're in touch with a, about 29 urban regions in the United States 
states and Canada that have launched in the last two years some kind of campaign or movement to get kids outdoors. Sometimes these are called Leave No Child Inside. Right. Um, and uh, the state of Connecticut, by the way, has a terrific uh, uh, program to get kids into the parks, the underused parks. There are a lot of people with a lot of self-interest here. The, the attendance at national parks has plummeted in the last few years. They're thinking that it has something to do with this phenomenon. The Outdoor Industry Association worries uh, ma- uh, the people who manufacture backpacks, et cetera, are very worried. They're looking at their numbers and they're saying, we're doing fine now, but what about down the road? They're looking at a decrease in uh, in camping, et cetera. So they're uh, livelihoods are at stake uh, today. Uh, I'm at the. I'm going to in a couple hours. I'm going to go over to the Department of Agriculture in uh, Washington D.C. and help announce a new program by the the uh, U.S. Forest Service called More Kids in the Woods, and they've come up with a million and a half dollars to uh, uh, of government and matching funds to start getting more kids out into the in, into into nature. So things are happening all over the country. Hey, can we give a shout out to the Boy Scouts as long as we're talking about these sure. issues? Because you, you, you say, Richard Louv, justly or not, the public image of the Boy Scouts of America has shifted from that of clean-cut boys tying knots and pitching tents to one of adult leaders who ban gays and expel atheists. And I just how true that is, you know, that we look beyond the good work that the Boy Scouts get get done for these kids and get hung up on the political issues of the day. Yeah. And how whether or not that's fair um, to view the Boy Scouts that way, certainly the it's problematic for the Boy Scouts now. But they do great work. They I mean, do we great need work. To, we right. need to support the scouting organizations. In fact, uh, we need to uh, support Campfire and uh, uh, Girl Scouts, uh, etc. They, they're really doing great work. What I would hope, though, is that they would uh, move more toward nature experience, in essence, back to their roots. Uh, right now, many of the scouting organizations feel they have to be everything for everybody and teach business classes. With, <laughs> Business classes can be found elsewhere, but uh, nature is what kids need most of all. It's very much disappearing from childhood, and we can turn that around. You and I have only scratched the surface of Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder. And I and I should mention that Richard Louvre is a columnist for the San Diego Union-Tribune, author of how many other books? Six other books? Yes. Yeah. Uh, widely published fellow, widely uh uh, quoted as well. I'd love to get you to Philadelphia. There's reference to Swarthmore in your book. Uh, it would not exactly clear to me why you were in Swarthmore, but I'd love to get you into our area uh, so that we could give you more exposure and, and kick these ideas around. Well, thanks. I was just in Pennsylvania a few uh, a few weeks ago at the governor's uh, uh, summit on uh, people and nature. Uh, they're, they're when are you coming back? You know, I don't know. I'm I'm speaking a lot these uh, these days. I, in fact, I think I'm developing nature deficit disorder because I'm on airplanes so much. <laughs> hey, Richard Lou, thanks so much for your time. I love this book. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.